Hello, welcome, and thanks for checking in today to No Vacancy, the podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Palmer. I'm an Airbnb ambassador and 17-time super host, and I've hosted over 1,000 reservations. I'm a stay-at-home mom of two and manage my eight listings remotely. My mission is to help new and experienced vacation rental hosts turn their listings into fully booked, profitable properties that can be managed from anywhere, so you too can have no vacancies. If that sounds good to you, let's get right into the show. Do you remember episode 68 where I got to interview Kenny Bedwell, the CEO at STR Insights? Well, since his episode dropped, I have heard multiple success stories from no vacancy listeners who have been able to find their next property thanks to Kenny and his team at STR Insights. If you've been wondering if the property or market you are looking at will be a good investment, or if you have no idea what market or property to start looking at, please take advantage of the free call that STR Insights is offering no vacancy listeners. You have nothing to lose. With their 100% success rate, I am confident that you'll be in good hands working with S-Tier Insights. Whether you're looking for cash flow, cash on cash return, or long-term appreciation, S-Tier Insights will first help you define your goals and then identify the market and property that is right for you. The team is made up of S-Tier investors and operators themselves, so they know exactly what to look for in terms of a good market and property, and will make sure that you can legally operate in the areas they point you to. If you're ready to join the dozens of No Vacancy listeners who have already started working with STR Insights to find their next property, just click the link in my show notes to schedule your free call and get you one step closer to finding that perfect deal. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of No Vacancy, the podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Palmer. And today we've got on a very special guest to talk about extra income streams off of your short-term rental. Natalie Bykoff is actually one of the students in my mentorship program right now, and she absolutely blew me away when she shared that her family made $100,000 off of renting their pool on Swimply, and that is what they used to purchase their first short-term rental investment. I just love like the scrappiness of that and that she was already like house hacking her own house and making income streams before she was even officially a host and had an investment property. So I wanted her to share today all things Swimply. And then she's also now making money off of Peer Space by renting her place by the hour for photo shoots and different things like that. So welcome, Natalie Bykov, to the podcast. Do you want to introduce yourself as well in case I missed anything or butchered your intro at all? Hi, Natalie. Yes, thank you so much. Super excited to be here. So yeah, basically in 2020, during the pandemic, we decided to build a pool for our kids just to, you know, have a little space for them to go out and play. And we wanted to just cover the expenses, such as the pool guy. And at the time, I was a stay-at-home mom. We were living off of one income. So we heard of this app called Swimply. And, you know, they were also featured on Shark Tank called the Airbnb of pools. That's right. So, yeah, we were like really intrigued and we decided to give it a shot. And it's been a wild ride ever since then. 
So you, I didn't realize you actually built your pool from scratch. Like that was part of the initial investment. And did you guys like finance that or pay for that in cash? Just curious. So, so during the pandemic, the rates were super low. So we actually took a risk and refinanced our house. Our, this is our personal house. And we used that money to build the pool. Okay. Got it. Okay. So you finance that basically like into your mortgage payment with a lower mortgage rate. Okay. Okay. Got it. And then how, I know that you say that you made a hundred, you told me you made a hundred thousand dollars. That was not like in one year though, right? Like that was so far in the time that you've been hosting on Spimply. Right. So this is our third year currently hosting and we listed our pool initially in 2021. I just thought, well, it's our it's an average pool. It is nothing special. We don't have any crazy views, water slides. There's some crazy pools on the app. Ours is just a standard pool. So we were just expecting, you know, just to cover the pool guide, the chemicals, we, you know, just maintenance. Anyway, so we list it and right away we started getting bookings and in the beginning when we listed it in 2020, I didn't think that we would make as much as we made. And it was crazy. During that time, also, it was when you list your property and a lot of people were coming. It was kind of like the Airbnb boom. So it was kind of like the Swimply boom as well. You know, people had nowhere to go. All the public places were closed. Okay. And the options were very long, limited. So it was, it, it did blow up crazy. Gotcha. Okay. So do you feel like it was kind of like a bubble for that? Like, is there not really as much potential to earn on Swimply today? Or it's just not going to be like, you might just have to be a little more competitive with like your pool design or something like that. Right. Yeah. So initially, that's what we thought. And slowly after everything started opening back up, I would say 2021, 2022, everything started opening back up. And our Swimply business was not slowing down. So we it's been almost three years that we've been doing this and every month we've had our mortgage paid and then some your mortgage like not just the financing of the pool part like your entire mortgage has been covered by this so we yeah we completely paid off our pool and I don't think I've ever I we have not had a month where yeah our mortgage hasn't been paid and then some it's not it's the potential here is something that I never even realized could be possible. So, you know, we just, like I said, we just thought, oh, let's cover our pool guy a few hundred a month. And yeah, basically a few months into hosting, we were making decent money booking out our pool. It's just families coming over to swim with their kids, which was great. And we loved it. Then a few months in, my friend messaged me that her friend was looking for a place to host her daughter's birthday party. And they were considering a pool party. So if we can host their event. So they were looking at Airbnbs, but obviously now you can't do that. You can't have events at Airbnbs. So they mentioned that they were looking at another venue, another platform called Peerspace. So they didn't see anything they liked. And so they still wanted it to have, you know, the party at our place. So we had this birthday party at our in our backyard and in that one day basically it was a couple of hours we made close to a thousand dollars 
in a matter of hours with people just in our backyard. They never once came into our house, which is crazy, right? Because on Airbnb, you would, you know, you would book out a couple days and you would make a thousand dollars. So this was just, I was like, what? Like, how did I just make a thousand dollars from my backyard? So I started researching this platform, Peerspace. And it turns out there's a lot of venues like this where you can host events or host something else. And I kind of combined the two, so events and Swimply. So I was like, maybe I'll have my backyard pool area as kind of an event space rather than family swims, because I felt like that is where the money is at. So yeah, right now we're still doing Swimply and it's bringing in the most money, but we are listed on PeerSpace as well. So could you explain a little bit about the the, like price difference or what's normal to see on the app? So with Swimply, are you just charging per hour and can you charge more like, I'm just trying to picture if there's like a family, a stay-at-home mom with kids who wants to use your Mm -hmm. pool for like two hours on a Tuesday morning. Um, Like, is that different than booking it like for a Saturday midday or something like break down kind of the prices and the rates for this and how you charge? Yeah. So the pricing structure is hourly. It's based on the number of guests you have. So you would select the hours that you want to rent it for, say like 10 to 1, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m., for example. And then you would select the number of guests that are coming. So for insurance purposes, you obviously have to have a good like a good sense of how many people are coming. And then for one to five guests, for example, is one price. Five to 10 is a different price. It's okay. a weird structure. You can set your own rates however you like. We personally go up to 50 guests. And I believe for 50 wow. guests, okay. about 295 an hour. Okay. So that would be more, 50 guests would be more like a party then, yeah. right? Like, but they they can right. still just book through Swimply or at that point would they have to like reach out yeah. to you for more accommodations? No. Yeah, no, that everything goes through Swimply. So you, in Swimply, you can set how many guests you allow. Some people obviously don't want that many people in their backyard. They set it to 15, 15 people is the max. Or, you know, if you have a big backyard in the middle of nowhere, there are people in you know mid I think in like the smaller areas basically they have like acres and acres of land and they allow like 200 people so it's just really whatever you feel comfortable with whatever your backyard can fit obviously and you can set your own pricing whatever you feel is best and each tier you can set so you can set how many how much you charge for one to five or you know, 45 to 50 or however many you have. And it's just right now, I would say the pricing is just like Airbnb. It's a competitive market. Mm-hmm. And I feel people are catching on and realizing just how much money they can make. So it's still important to stand out. But, you know, you still want to charge what you feel your place is worth as well. How often are you getting like groups of 50 to come or I guess a better question is like most of your people who book like how many are coming in the groups so I would say we are we are in a very saturated market I would say so we're in Los Angeles and in about a 10 mile radius from us there would be about hundreds of 
pools listed. So wow. it was super cool. important for us to stand out. So we kind of got the market of kids' birthday parties. I have three little kids myself. And so I already have all the toys and little pool floats, everything for that. So we got the idea, like, you know what, let's just let's just get kids' birthday parties in here and we can just focus on that. So we set up tables, we set up chairs, like we have everything that everything already in our backyard. So they don't have to go and rent that anywhere. We put up a happy birthday sign. We basically do all the decorations. And if they want to, you know, decorate it with a specific theme, they can, but they don't have to. All they do, all you can do is just bring the food and, you know, the lifeguard entertainment if they choose. And they can come and have a little kid's birthday pool party. Yeah. How much extra are you charging for the party set up? And I wonder, too, like if you've done like 50 Moana birthday parties now, like do you have like the go to starter pack for Moana? Whereas if they wanted like, I don't know, something different, you would have to like charge extra to bring in those decorations. Yeah. Like how are you managing that? So I I always have the tables and chairs out just okay. because every weekend is booked with birthday parties. So I don't charge extra for that. That's how I feel like that's how we stand out in the market. We have everything. We have the tables. We have the chairs. We have a generic birthday sign. I don't do any themes. So if they want to do a theme, they just bring it themselves. Gotcha. We have a cleaner that cleans between each booking. We try to only have one a day, one event a day, obviously, Mm -hmm. you know, we have neighbors and we try to be respectful to them as well. We don't do any events past 8 p.m. And we just, you know, try to still be respectful to, you know, obviously we love our neighbors and this is our primary house. So we live here. So, yeah, we just try to vet the guests as best we can to make sure that it's the right fit for us. No loud music, anything like that. So. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. So you're kind of just setting up the starter kit, like tables and chairs are there. Okay. Makes sense. And, and how much do you charge? So again, it's just, it's only per person or like four groups of people. Like that's what the rate comes down to how many hours and then how many people you're having there. Right. Right. Okay. Okay. So if you're doing up to 50 people for $2.95 an hour, can you explain a little bit how much how much does Swimply take? We know Airbnb takes about 3% from the host and like 12% from the guest side. Is that a similar pricing structure on Swimply's app? Yes. So they take, so they charge a percent from the guests and then they also charge a small percent from us. It's okay. yeah, exactly similar to Airbnb. And they, similar to Arimbi as well, they provide the protection, the liability protection, the damage protection. I believe the liability is $2 million and the damage as well as, you know, they provide all that. And that's just all included, like right off the bat. You don't have to pay extra for the coverage from Simply. Can I ask, because a lot of people have talked shit on Airbnb's air cover that it's not actually reliable and doesn't really pay out when you need it. What has been your experience with Swimply? Like if there ever has been a claim or an injury or something, how has it been getting that paid out? Right. Okay. So obviously it, 
you know, people will say it's risky. It's risky to have an Airbnb. It's risky to rent out your backyard, your pool. I, my personal opinion is that I'm, I can be inside the house when they're booking it because, you know, our blinds are closed, everything like that. So I feel like I, you know, the people are, the parents are watching the kids. So it's more, I guess it's safer than if they were just renting out an Airbnb and, you know, you have no idea what's going on. I try to use, I don't rely on coverage. You know, you don't rely on Airbnb coverage or simply coverage. You try your best to have your own protection in place. So for example, I have cameras in the backyard just in case anything were to happen. You would, you know, you can go back and see. And I also have signs posted, you know, the general signs, no lifeguard on duty, slippery when wet. I try to take every single precaution that I can to make sure that I'm protected without just solely relying on, you know, a, a coverage from a company. So we have, for example, signs on our pool posted on how deep, you know, the deepest end is. And just basically everything that we can to prevent every single thing that I can think of. So in three years that we've been doing this, we I feel like we've thought of everything. We have every sign. We have everything I feel that we need. So, yeah, it's just similar to Airbnb. You know, you want to have your safety precautions in place. You want to have the fire extinguisher where it needs to be. So that's how that's how I think of it. Have you had to talk with your insurance, your home insurance policy and like put in extra coverage or pay for like a premium or something in order to offer like to commercialize your pool? Yeah. So we have an umbrella policy on our on our home, but I know that a lot of homeowners insurance, there's been talk in our Facebook group, a lot of the homeowners insurance will not cover it. And mm. this is just the same, you know, as renting, you're renting your space. So you would need to have like a separate insurance similar, you know, to Airbnb, you have the short-term rental insurance. I wanted to ask your tips for, you said that you guys have a pretty average pool, like you don't mm -hmm. have a cool water slide feature or anything like that, but you're able to stand out because of the parties that you offer and that basic setup for the parties. What are other ways that you would recommend if someone's listening to this and they're like, I don't have a water slide. I don't have like a rock wall feature. I don't have a swim up bar. Like how is my pool going to compete? What would you recommend to someone in that situation? Yeah. So that's initially what I thought. Our pool is just a regular pool. There's, there's absolutely nothing special about it. How I try to stand out is we try to make it super, super colorful, super kid friendly, and basically try to copy a Palm Springs hotel resort style theme. So we're a little Palm Springs Resort in the middle of the San Fernando Valley in Los yeah. Angeles. Basically, I purchased colorful chairs, colorful, colorful seating, and we got amazing photos. And we just try to stand out that way. I would say another thing that I feel is kind of not special, but another thing is that's really important is the bathroom situation. You know, if yes. you're trying to 
throw big events, I'm sure everyone's wondering, well, where are they going to the bathroom? Yes. So that was another major topic when you posted about it on Instagram. Yes. Yeah. I'll give context really quick. I posted a reel about this and Natalie's success with Swimbly. And the number one comment I got was just like, no, where do people use the bathroom? And I was like, okay, why so snarky? Like, just ask. But people were just immediately like, nope, would it work? There's no bathroom. And I was just like, okay, the negativity has got to go. But explain what you guys do for the bathroom situation. Yeah. Okay. So we, the first year initially, we got a portable, portable restroom. So basically we didn't know what to do. I don't want people coming into my house, which that is another option. They can come into your house and use your restroom. For us, it's not an option. I have three little kids running around, two dogs. It's just a mess. So I was like, okay, let me rent a portable restroom, like basically a porta potty. I just try to call it a portable restroom. <laughs> it's a little classier. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it was, it cost us about $100 a month. And they come weekly and they clean it for you. So it's not like when you think of public restroom, it's kind of gross. This was not it. It's cleaned weekly. It smells actually, it smells really good. <laughs> and yeah, so we had that in the side of our yard, just hidden. And guests can just go use that as they wanted it. So after the first year when we were like, oh my gosh, we're like making all this money. Let's build an actual restroom on the side of our house. And this can also benefit, you know, when our friends and family come over, not just simply guests. So we did that. So now we have a restroom, an outdoor restroom in our backyard where people can go use that. Another option that people like to do is, like I mentioned, the indoor restroom. But a lot of people have, you know, once you make a lot of money, have success, and you realize, okay, this is something that I want to kind of pursue and do, they would build a door that has outdoor access to an indoor bathroom. That's also mm-hmm. an option as well. And yeah, people get really creative with the bathroom situations. Swimply, actually, you don't have to provide a restroom. Like it's not in their rules or anything. So you can just like not provide a restroom, which I mean, I, that's like another option. I don't know if people would do that, but oh, wait, wait. then where are people... <laughs> Where are people going to go then? I mean, I'm sure people pee in your pool. I'm sure you're aware of the fact people probably pee in your pool a lot. But poop? What? So, I mean, but yeah, you, everyone, mostly everyone has a restroom. If you're a good host. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I I would think that that's kind of like a basic thing. Even if you're, if it is just going to be letting them use your indoor one, like I don't think I would book one that doesn't have a restroom option. Okay. Gotcha. So one thing too, with the liability, like I really like what you touched on was you're there. And I mean, I know that you're not necessarily going to be able to like run out and save a life and like perform CPR or anything like that if something mm-hmm. happens. But also when I posted that video, some snarky girl commented and she was like, no, thanks. I can smell the lawsuit from a mile away. And I was like, what lawsuit are you talking about that like wouldn't apply to renting an Airbnb with a pool. And I just think it's so funny. So many of the comments were like terrified of the liability, but you bring up a great point. You're actually on site. Like you're in your house if anything were to happen rather than just renting your entire house with a pool. Like when we think about it, we're we're all here listening to this podcast because we're comfortable doing that. But then people freak out at the thought of just renting out your pool without you there. 
Yeah. So, yeah. I just thought that that was like such a odd take for people to have. People just want to see the negative immediately. Uh, no, without I, even entertaining yeah. it. It's definitely a scary thing because it's so new. So I'm sure like me and my husband were talking about this when Airbnb came out. Everyone was like, oh, my gosh, like strangers in my house. Like, yeah. how could I ever do that? Uber like, has been yeah, through that, you know. Exactly. Yeah. And I just feel like this is just like another thing that, you know, oh, my gosh, like strangers in my backyard. Oh, my gosh. Like they're going to drown all this stuff. And it's just it's just that it's just something so new that people are not used to. Whereas, you know, Airbnb has been around. So now it's not so weird to us anymore, I feel. And like I said, if you're renting an Airbnb with a pool, you have no control. You know, that kid can wake up in the morning, go exploring and stuff like that. I feel like with Swimply, even though people are not used to it, it's much safer because the everyone's there. You know, a lot of parents mm -hmm. that I host, you know, that come over with their kids and the birthday parties, they do actually hire lifeguards. So now the liability is, you know, on that lifeguard and less on you as well. Is that something that you require? Like, I know sometimes when you book a venue, they want you to have like, you know, single day insurance, event insurance for that one day or something. Do you like try to enforce anything like that? Or are you just like, you're accepting all liability, whether you hire a lifeguard or not, that's on you? Yeah. So basically, I try to encourage lifeguards just because, you know, I want that extra protection. Right. So I do have a partnership with a local lifeguard in our area cool. and gives us deals, you know, if it's if the event is at our space. And I try to always encourage them. I ask them, are you booking a lifeguard? I try to get that in their minds like, oh, you know, maybe I should book one. And then if they say no, I also simply has this thing where you they have this not a policy, but they help you. They they help show you how to circulate adults that are watching the kids like they provide a wristband so the whoever is wearing the wristband is the assigned adult to watch the kids so they okay. do you know try to partner with companies that help out with that as well could I ask too is this something have you guys ever rented your pool out while you're not there or like has this affected your personal life in any way yeah. like having parties every single weekend do you guys ever right. feel like you don't get privacy how many times yeah. do you block it off because you're like we just actually want to use our pool for a change or also like if you guys ever had to be out of town for something would you not rent your pool out if you were not there yeah so you can block out your calendar anytime right now for me I feel like it's so seasonal so most of our money is obviously made in the summer so it is kind of a sacrifice I feel that we do make, which it's not really, you know, a sacrifice because it's we're like making money still. But for Swimply and the policy, if it's if you're hosting more than 15 people, they do want you to be home. Okay. Obviously, if it's, you know, if the event's going well and if it's just a smaller family event, we would just go down the street to the park with our kids. You don't have to be home, but, you know, it's hard to always be home or always be away so we just like are in and out basically we still go about our day we always just check in make sure everything's okay but yeah it it doesn't affect I would say our weekends that much if there's an event that we want to do ourselves we just block out the day it's super easy you can also block out hours and you can set your own hours mm -hmm. so you 
say like you only want to rent your pool between 12 and 8 p.m. And you can just okay. set your own hours as well. Yeah, it's super fun. You could still, you and your kids could still go in the pool in the morning and then just be like, we got to get out by noon and yeah. like, you know, skip yeah. the pool and get it ready. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And like, you know, we, so a pool is like so amazing, but my kids, they can, they have access to it every day. So they're like so bored of it already. You know? <laughs> they're like, they don't even want to go in it. It's like old news already. So I'm glad that we have, you know, Swimply because we initially built it for them. And now it's like, it's old news. Like pools you wouldn't even. Yeah, we wouldn't. Often. Yeah. 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 So I wanted to ask, you brought up a point about the seasonality. So yeah. I know for you, summer definitely in LA is where you're going to make the bulk of your money. But how are you just like completely dead in off season? You said that you've covered your mortgage every single month. Right. Did you just mean the months that you're on Swimply or has that literally been every single month of the year? Okay. So yes, it definitely dies down during, I would say around November. It, it, wow. That late? Yeah. I was going to guess, I was going to guess like after Labor Day, like that's your last weekend. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So right now we are completely booked every weekend in September. Yeah. But you know, it's like still hot here. I remember last year I was like sweating at the pumpkin patches. Yeah. So it's not, I don't feel like it's dying down anytime soon. Our pool is heated. So, you know, they can pay to add that on, add the heating to the pool. And we do have a jacuzzi and I'm just like, kids don't care. They all jump into a cold pool. Yes. <laughs> Lunch is a pool party. So yeah, so right now we're booked into September and then we do have October bookings as well. And then, yeah, in November, it'll start to die down. We will have some events like a Halloween event or something like that. Maybe like a little Christmas party. But even then, maybe like two, two to three events we'll cover our our mortgage, like I said. And then it picks back up around June. And okay, seasonal, but it doesn't completely die down. Because if you are catering to events, you know, people are still having events and the pool can just be like in the background, you know, a nice little feature or they do want to use the jacuzzi as well. Yeah, I will say, you know, you and I are both based in Southern California. California, LA County area. So I will say for anybody listening in like Minnesota, mm-hmm. it might be much more seasonal in your yeah. area. But yeah, that's a great point here. I mean, yeah, I could totally see somebody booking like a Christmas outside event mm-hmm. or something and still at least be able to use the jacuzzi or like spring break in March or April for a lot of students. Like it's not that cold ever here. So that's Wow, yeah, that's just amazing. And yeah, like you said, even even a couple bookings. So if you can do a party of, you know, that's paying 295, 300 an hour after mm-hmm. the fees and stuff Swimply takes out and maybe your cost of like a pool cleaner and mm-hmm. whatever, I'm guessing you're making like 250 an hour profit. And so, yeah, if they book a four hour party, mm-hmm. that's literally a thousand dollars. Yeah. Four hours on a Saturday. Uh, and us Airbnb hosts out here are like lucky to get a thousand dollars for a whole weekend. Yeah. Yeah, no. So we crazy. So it's funny. So because we so we took all that money that we made on Simply and we took our hosting experience. We now have experience dealing with a bunch of people, a bunch of different personalities. And we were like, okay, what can we do with this? Like I want to keep going and I want to invest. 
So that's how we ended up with an Airbnb. So our pool is at the Orange Pool. And then we bought a house in Lake Arrowhead, which is in the mountains nearby. And it's at the Orange Lake House. So it's like we got that orange theme going. So we, yeah, so we got that Airbnb. And that's how we got started. That's how we got the funds, the experience, everything to open our Airbnb. I'm just like so impressed with all of this. But yes, this is the perfect pivot. So now you guys are investors and you guys have a property in Lake Arrowhead that you've been hosting. And I know you're trying to start co-hosting as well in that market. And how is it going? I know that you also mentioned that you do peer space rentals. So Mm -hmm. has that just been something that you're doing with the pool in the primary residence in LA? Or have you tested peer space at all in your Lake Arrowhead home? Yeah, so... So we got the, that cabin in Lake Arrowhead and then we were like, well, let's see if we can do something with that as well. And we put up our cabin on Peerspace. So a lot of the companies that are down the mountain, they usually want to do like photo shoots, seasonal photo shoots, like especially clothing brands. They book on Peerspace. I've noticed a lot, maybe like in the summertime for like winter campaigns, like a cabin mm-hmm. So a lot of actually famous brands would be booking on Pure Space. And I know I have friends that have cabins that have had really famous companies come to their cabin to do like a clothing photo shoot or a product photo shoot in a cabin for, you know, seasonal photos. So it's yeah. been really cool. Yeah. That's that's yeah. incredible. So they're mostly so you're not actually really getting even though they're winter campaigns, you haven't really found a lot of winter photo shoots. They're mostly booking them during the summer to prep their winter campaigns in advance. Yeah. So it's so funny because the companies would book maybe like around summer, fall, and they would come up to the cabin and it's like, you know, 90 degrees and they're wearing these like big jackets. (laughs) They're obviously, you know, shooting for their fall uh, or their winter, you know, catalog. And so that's been like super helpful since we are in Los Angeles. I don't know how, you know, other markets are, but for us, it's been really profitable to have it up on there on yeah yeah and like you said like I feel like coming from Swimply where you know you're making a thousand dollars in a couple of hours or in a few hours and then you have to go on Airbnb and it's like it takes you like (laughs) that a whole weekend I'm like oh my gosh like I have to go back to Swimply (laughs) but yeah that's the crazy part about it it's just it's so different, but it's like so similar as well. So how much are you charging for peer space rentals? I know that with a brand, you know, there's a lot more cost you can charge for because there's the licensing agreement and like usage of your property. We we are not listed on peer space. Now I want to go do that. But we did have one time where actually MTV shot some documentary or something mm-hmm. at our place. And they were like interviewing a few of the people in the documentary using our place as a background. And I mean, just the amount that they were willing to pay. We blocked off like an entire 24 hours for them. That was it just so they could get in at like 8 a.m. and leave at like 10 p.m. But they didn't even like use the beds. They didn't sleep there. They didn't shower there, like nothing. And I mean, they paid like, I I swear it was like 500 an hour or something for like 12 hours. And it was just like just astronomical to me, you know, how much you can get for something like that. So how are you determining your rates? Is this preset on Peerspace or are you taking each contract and and evaluating it? 
Yeah. So we have it preset on Pierce's. Obviously, our prices are super high just because you never know if they're, you know, if they come on a Saturday and they just need it for one day. Now they've blocked off like Friday night, Saturday night. Oh, wait. So someone can't book that, you know. So on PeerSpace, that's interesting. Can you not set different rates for different days of the week like you can on Airbnb? Because I might be willing to rent my place on a weekday way cheaper if it might not be booked than on a weekend. No, you can. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm just saying like, yeah, it'll... Well, I have it open for weekdays and weekends currently. So like, for example, yeah, like my weekends are super high because then they would block out a whole weekend. And... I've noticed that a lot of the companies that are booking through there, they do usually have a higher budget. So you can get away with charging, you know, the higher. And it's also a lot of traffic, you know, coming in and out, the stuff. So you do want to, you know, charge a good price for that. Yeah. Yeah. And even in our case with, you know, our one experience with MTV, like they didn't use the beds or showers, like I said, but they rearranged all of our furniture, which was fine by us. And they did a pretty good job putting it back, but they moved everything around. Like, even though they weren't using it because they brought in their own stuff to stage, like their set there, it's still just more wear and tear by like moving everything around. And there are a lot of people coming in and out using your utilities, like plugging into the outlets, putting in bright lights and everything. So there definitely is like usage of the property in those cases. It's not like it's being totally untouched. In most cases, how many hours are you finding are getting booked on peer space? Is it also just like two to four hours like on Swimply or are they like in our one case with MTV, it was an all day thing, like 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. Is that similar to what you're finding on peer space? Yeah. Yeah. I would say they usually book a whole day. Okay. Yeah, just because, like you said, that was another thing. They come and they completely rearrange everything, which is fine because they're always super nice in my experience, and they always put everything back. Um, But you know, it's always it's not like in the right right position that you want it to be. But they do try to put it back where it was. So that's another thing we had. It's funny because we had like a Barbie bathing suit shoot at our Swimply. And they had to take out everything in the background. Like, no, there was like flamingos. They're like, we're not allowed flamingos. We're not allowed this, not allowed that. So they completely just moved everything. So, yeah, that's another thing. But I mean, it's not, it, it's not, you know, the cleaning fee is, you know, they don't use the beds, like you said. So it's, it's different. Do you charge a cleaning fee on peer space or are you just kind of like baking in like a cleaning cost into your I you don't really need like a cleaner to come do laundry after but just like someone to make sure that they put everything back the right way I guess yeah no I I I think I do charge a cleaning fee it's like a hundred dollars or something so small I you still I still personally do need cleaners just you know mop the floors and stuff but yeah just something small that I just like throw in there And then I know that this is going to vary like crazy just depending on your market and time of year and day of the week. But what are the rates you're charging on Swimply just or on peer space just to give people, you know, some starting point? Uh, So it's so different because in the winter in the ones like approach in winter, I feel like our rates go up as well. And yeah, I think it's around 500, either like or 500 an hour and like I said okay. we usually book the whole day I've noticed that you know the companies in at least in our market that are booking they're 
they're not worried about the budget. So, yeah. yeah. Are you having any, does Peerspace provide like waivers or anything like that? Are you like signing a photo release for like usage of the photos? I know with MTV, they sent me stuff that I had to sign, but I had no idea what I was doing. Like I didn't provide any contracts like that. So do you have anything in yeah. place? No, I don't. I So we rely on the peer space protection as okay. well. But then I don't think I've had anything that official where I've had to like sign, you know, the contracts, the photo release, sure. like that. I think it's been mostly smaller companies, smaller projects so far. Okay. And, I think and then Europe, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, I think maybe the bigger cabin, the like nice mansion cabins get like, you know, the more official <laughs> art. We have a small little cabin. It's like a little two bedroom. So we probably just get like the smaller companies and stuff. Yeah, that was mine, too, actually. that They booked a two bed, two bath condo. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I was just amazed like how much they were willing to pay. Granted, we had to block off the night before because they wanted to come at like 8 a.m. And they were there till 10 p.m. So we had to block off that night, too. Yeah. But I mean, my cleaner like popped in the next morning just to like, you know, slightly rearrange things. And she was like, it's it's spotless. They're fine. So, yeah, yeah. it's like so much money for like just a few hours. It's just mind boggling. Yeah. Um, I think that one of the last questions I want to ask you before we wrap up is I know with, you know, if somebody's listed on Airbnb and Verbo and Booking.com, we have PMSs in the short term rental industry and you can have a property management software to sync up all of these calendars and settings. Have you found anything like that for Swimply or PeerSpace? Like if you've got your primary home listed on both and somebody books for Swimply, does your PeerSpace get automatically blocked off or are you having to manually control all of that right now? Yeah, so right now, Swimply and PeerSpace, they do have a connecting calendar. Cool. Husband deals with that stuff, so I'm not, (laughs) but I know that it's synced up. Okay. Our our Swimply and Peer Space are synced up. Amazing. And then I know for your your Lake Arrowhead place, you guys don't have a pool on that cabin. But do you ever think in the future, if you invested in another Airbnb that had a pool, would you have it on both Airbnb and Swimply? Yeah. So it's funny because the initially we didn't know if we wanted to purchase another Airbnb or just like literally just another house and just with a pool that <laughs> simply so a lot of the areas like Oregon they're doing so well like you can literally list your pool and you'll get like 10 bookings within an hour like there's some places like some markets that are untapped more than wow. others so they are just like killing it. There is this one guy that just retired, but he was making like a hundred thousand dollars a year. It was it was insane. It in was Oregon. Just, in Oregon. For some reason, Oregon. Oh my God. Oregon, for some reason, I think it's just they don't have that many pools there. So around like the Portland area, I've noticed that yeah, all the hosts there are just killing it. Where are you finding that info? You know, in our world, we have AirDNA and just so many tools out there as to your insights to help you with market analysis. How do you find data on which markets are crushing it with Swimply? So I I just know because I'm in the Facebook group and I see okay. all the numbers. If you, if you want to research an area, I would just go on the app and type in where you are and see how many pools pop up. Like, for example, where I'm mm. at. There's going to be so many red dots. You're going to be like so overwhelmed, like way too many pools here or like in Arizona, for example, 
but you I mean you can still do really well obviously but there are other areas you know like that are highly populated with not that many pools so that would be the market to get into can you tell us a little bit i actually know you developed um like an intro to swimply course or something that you worked you partnered with swimply mm -hmm. on can you tell us a little bit about that and is that something still available to people if they are just absolutely mind blown now and want to jump into this yeah so a year ago i wanted to help people out as well and or this year yeah i started a, it's like a mentorship it's called the orange mentorship because our pool is the orange pool so we're going with the orange theme yeah. yeah so i'm just basically helping them out helping them with how to just really just turn it into a business like it has been for me so it's not I feel like it's not like a side hustle anymore. Like people have, it's like a full-time job for me now, this the, the hosting. So I'm teaching people, if that's what you want, this is how to make it happen. Amazing. Do you have like a link to sign up for that? I can drop it in the show notes, but is this something still that you're actively running or are doors closed right now? No, I'm actively running it. Yeah, it's, if you just go to the orangepool.com, there's information. On okay. Well, and you can also visit our Instagram at the Orange Pool. Super easy. I will link all of that below. Natalie, thank you so much. I am just going to say it. This is one of my favorite podcast episodes already that we've ever done. I feel like just, you know, my passion was Airbnb and that's why I started this. And since doing this podcast, I found so many different ways that people are doing this business and making extra income streams. And when I met you and talked to you for the first time about this, you just blew my mind that this whole other world is out there. So I, I really hope that other people have enjoyed this episode as much as me and learned something new. I'm legit thinking like we have a detached garage on our property. I live in L.A. County and we are planning to turn it into an ADU. And my goal is that it covers our mortgage. And now I'm just like, should we just build a pool instead? Like, what the heck? Like the amount of permits and stuff I have to get for all of this. Like, should we just dig a hole in our backyard and put water in it? It's just crazy. So thank you so much. I really encourage people to go reach out to Natalie and we'll put those links in the show notes below. Anything you want to leave us with before we sign off? No, I mean, just sometimes like, you know, crazy things happen. So you never know unless you try, I guess. Perfect. Thank you so much. We'll talk soon. Thanks. Bye. And finally, for this week's Am I the Airbnb Hole, we have just an extremely obnoxious guest situation. Let me just read this one. I know there's going to be no debate. You guys are going to agree with me 100% that this guest just sucks and the host handled this perfectly. So here we go. This guest writes at 11.41 p.m. Okay, 11.41 p.m. They're arriving the next day. They say, I need an early check-in. I fly in at 9 a.m. and will be today Airbnb by 10 a.m. Okay, so you're going to send at 11.40 the previous night that you need a check-in of 10 a.m. the next day. Okay, got it. The host responds, hi, unfortunately, an early check-in will not be possible as we have a guest checking out the same day. Our cleaners need time to get the unit ready for you. If it is ready sooner than 4 p.m., we will notify you so you can head on over and check in early. At this time, we don't have a guarantee. The guest responds, well, unfortunately, that's not going to work for me, so I'm going to need you to cancel the stay. I'll find another. This host says, hi, no problem. You'll just cancel on your end. Guest says, I tried to cancel it, but it's not giving me all my money back. I'm confused. Should I call Airbnb support? 
Host says, hi, because you paid the non-refundable rate, which included a discount. The non-refundable rate guarantees the booking and voids the cancellation window. If you cancel, no funds will be returned. Guest says, I just spoke with Airbnb and they sent you an email requesting that I be able to get a full refund. I would really appreciate it due to the fact that you cannot accommodate early check-in. Host says, hi, it is in the house rules about early check-in and the non-refundable rate guarantees the booking. We will not be able to step outside of our policy. The best we can do, if you would like to keep this booking, is to notify our cleaner to try to have it ready as soon as possible. Guest says, so you want to make $165 off of nothing pretty much. No problem. Host says, the unit is still available to you at the time of the stated check-in. If you decide to cancel, that would be on your will. I am still offering the place at the committed time you booked it at and earlier if we can get it ready for you sooner. Nothing on our end that we guaranteed you has changed. Guest responds with a thumbs up emoji. Host says, please notify us of your final decision. If you choose to keep booking, I will reach out to the cleaning team to make them aware you are wanting to check in early and we will do our best to turn this around for you. Guest says, I am going to have no choice but to keep the reservation. I'm not going to lose out on 165. I guess I'll just sit at the airport until I can get to check into the Airbnb. Yeah, you know what? I think you can just sit at the airport, okay? Because why are you, why are you, and this this message was sent at 8.50 a.m., so they're about to land, right? They said that they were landing at 9 a.m. and wanted to check in at 10 a.m. Why are you, sir, at 11.40 p.m. the previous night demanding an early check-in of 10 a.m.? My guess is this host, <laughs> their checkout time probably isn't even until 11 a.m., so with a 10-hour notice, you are demanding an early check-in, which was not agreed on. Then turning it around, this, this part. So you want to make $165 off of nothing pretty much. No, the host wants to make $165 off of the fact that they price their place at that. They put stipulations of when you can check in. You agreed to all of that. You even got a 10% discount for doing the non-refundable option. Everything was agreed to. That is what the host wants to make $165 on, off the fact that you paid for a service and they are here granting you that exact service. You paid for a room to be ready at 4 p.m., which they are saying it will be. They're even doing you a favor of saying if they get it ready early, you can check in early. There's no appreciation for that, the fact that you're just going to spring this on last minute. Okay, that is what the host wants to make $165 off because you agreed to pay a price and they've done everything on their end to have that service rendered to you at the time that you booked it for. Okay, and now the fact that you want to make this host feel bad that you have to sit at the airport for six hours, that is adorable. That is adorable. I, I love this. I love that you now want to check in early and your thought is, Oh, I know a way to check in early. The property is not ready yet, so I know what I'll do. I will make an extremely awkward and tense situation. I will create this extremely unnerving situation for the host of this property to really, really make sure that they want to get in there and just clean my place as efficiently as possible. I'm not going to show any graciousness. I'm going to make sure... <laughs> that they want me checked in as soon as possible because there's no fear that I'm going to retaliate and trash the property in any way because I'm pissed off now. Like, what is the logic here, buddy? Literally, what is the logic? 
I'm going to make this extremely uncomfortable and awkward for everybody and put the put the host on edge and make them feel just extremely nervous about hosting me and that I might possibly damage or trash their place or write a fake review. Yeah, that sounds great. Like that is the vibe I'm getting from this guy is he's going to be a completely retaliatory guest. That is that is the perfect way to try and go motivate your host to now tell their cleaners to work faster. You are the dumbest, dumbest man alive. Dumbest man alive. I don't know who this man's mother is, but the fact that she never taught him that you attract more flies with honey than with vinegar is quite depressing. And this man could stand to learn that lesson. I'm very proud of this host for sticking to their guns and not bending over. I would advise the host in this case to have their cleaning team take extremely detailed photos of the condition of the home because... Again, this I, I do get the vibe from this guy that he would try to stage that the place was dirty or something to get a refund. So please make sure that your cleaners have documented every single thing, timestamped the exact condition of how they left the place. Check, you know, that light bulbs are working, that all appliances are working. Like this guy is going to find any reason to complain and get a refund, but that is not a reason to cancel on him and give him that refund. So many hosts would go ahead and do that because they just don't want to deal with the drama of a guy like this. That's exactly what this guy was hoping to get. So I'm so glad that you didn't entertain it. Host handled this perfectly. Guest is obviously the Airbnb hole. And I hope that once they hosted them, hopefully everything turned out okay. A lot of people like this, you guys have to realize, I know that on the on the host end, it's like, oh my God, I don't want to host somebody like this. They're going to trash my place. They're going to ask for a refund or something or leave a bad review. You have to realize that people like this they do this shit everywhere they go. Like they're the kind that at the restaurant, like they're not going to tip their server and they're going to try and get a free dessert and a free appetizer. And they have 15 different modifications to add to the order. And like everything that this person does, this type of person, they are asking for and negotiating and just being difficult. And a lot of the times it's just to see what they can get away with. It's pathological. It's a habit. Like so many of these people aren't even aware that they're behaving like this. And so don't panic that you know, they're suddenly going to go ask for all these refunds and be really difficult. I think a lot of people in this position, like, this really just is an itch they can't not scratch. Like, they just have to test you. I don't know why. They just have to. But if you don't give in, they give up and they're going to find their next victim. And this guy realized it didn't work on you. And now he's going to sit at the airport for six hours and be an asshole to his server at the airport or the poor flight attendant as he's deplaning. He's going to have some complaint that his luggage didn't get off the plane in time, even though he has nowhere to be for six fucking hours. So don't worry. A lot of these people, they just like once you don't give them, once you don't give in, they find their next victim. So you're fine. I, I think probably everything turned out OK, but like. These people are just so stupid. The fact that they think that this is going to work. And you know what? Actually, I take it back. He's not dumb because so many hosts would have caved in that situation. So many would have. He's doing this because he's had a lifetime of getting away with this behavior. So props to you for not enabling it. You just taught this man one of the most valuable lessons that he could learn. That he's not going to get away with crap like this. Good for you. And with that, it is now checkout time. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you back here next week. Lastly, as Airbnb hosts, we all can appreciate a good five-star review. So you already know a great review on this podcast would mean so much to me. Please subscribe, review, share, and connect with me in the show notes below. Bye!